Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. I felt like the beginning of this book was very rough. And then it got good. And then at the end, I was very angry at a completely different book in the series. (laughs) So that's kind of like an overarching preview of of my feelings. But yeah. It was definitely a journey. Yeah. Um, I will absolutely agree with that. The first 50 pages of this book were very start and stop for me. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then like the last, oh God, 10 chapters, I was like blazing. I was like mad that I had to stop and write notes. I was like, fuck, I gotta keep going. <laughs> like, Yeah. This is really good. <laughs> yeah. Everything up until about the first mission that they had. I was like, what the fuck is this book? I'm Yeah, they they made cross. some leaps. <laughs> <sighs> that being said, there was I I thought throughout this entire book from beginning to end, there was um a really good tone to the writing. Like there was a lot of really funny stuff sandwiched between really terrible stuff that gave us like a really I shouldn't say us. When I say us, I mean like me and all the people in my Speak head. Speak for me. No, okay. I'm speaking I'm speaking just for me and like the royal literally, us. The royal we, yeah. yeah so yeah. It, but um it was that really exquisite sense of like horrible laughter, horrible that I love the yo-yo effect in these books. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point. At some point I texted you and I was like, "What is this book? I'm not a fan." Like I'm that, really mad. Yeah. I, I think I remember three specific points where it was like, I'm really angry. I don't like this book. Oh my God, I can't wait to talk to you about this book. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I remember, like, yeah. just throughout my day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And, like, I try not to text you while I'm reading, but... Oh, I love it when you do. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It cracks me up because then I'm like the whole time I'm reading, I'm like, oh, is this what Casey was mad at? Oh, is this what Casey okay. was mad at? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> and I there was so much about this book that like I remember as part of the ending series, but I totally did not remember this book. And like as I kept hitting these lines in here, I was like, oh, this is totally not the one that I told Casey I was super excited to talk to her about, but like she's gonna guess that this is one of the ones I was really excited to talk to her about. And I hit that, like, three separate times. Okay. Because they're, just when I told you, like, oh, there's one line that's, like, not even that important, but I'm so excited to talk to you about because it's so funny. <laughs> you weren't excited for me to read this book because the main morph is a shepherd. My favorite pupper. That, too. But, like, you know, that that's a part of it. That's the part of the gestalt of the book. The gestalt. The gestalt. <laughs> All right, should I start summarizing? Yeah, yeah, because I think we both have, like, 100 pages of notes. We do. 
This is going to be our first five-hour total <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, okay. Tobias is hunting his meadow. There has been a drought recently, and prey has been more scarce than usual. The grass is dry and brown, and he can hear a rodent scrabbling below him. He takes off and glides over the meadow, lining up his strike, musing on the fact that when he used to be the prey part of this relationship, it was really ironic how he always knew where his next meal was coming from, because he was on the assisted meal program, so lunch ladies and hairnets that were overheated would always give him food. He dropped down towards the mouse, but right in front of him as he was about to scoop it up, fangs flashed, and a quick strike later, he was pulling up away from this prey. And then he realized, oh shit, it's a rattlesnake. Because it started rattling, of course. He's like, I don't need a warning, buddy. So he pulls away, he sees this five-foot rattler, and he's like, I'm not willing to fight that that asshole for a poison mouse. So he glides back up to his branch, kicking himself and saying, like, fuck, a real hawk would have seen this. And he starts berating himself for his normal, like, I need to stop letting my kid brain get in the way of my hawk brain, and I was thinking about lunch ladies, and I shouldn't have. And he's going through all of that, and then a moment later, he notices that there's a bald eagle incoming carrying what appeared to be a bag of McDonald's takeout. And he's like, ah, yes, my girlfriend, Rachel, my own personal lunch lady. What the fuck? And then says, don't tell anybody I ever said that. Jeez, man. <laughs> <laughs> what a thing to say about your girlfriend. That's how I'm going to start referring to people that I enjoy. <laughs> You're like my own personal lunch lady. Anyone that brings you food. Yes, they are my personal lunch ladies. Next time Scott comes back from the grocery store. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to say to him. So I enjoyed this opening, generally. Um, It it was almost staged kind of like a Western, like everything was dry and and the brush and and there was no rain and there was a rattlesnake. And so, Mm -hmm. like, that was was pretty interesting. And I I did uh, look up... Because he specifically said it was a diamondback. So I did look up diamondback range. And <laughs> I'm back I'm back to that. Um, and yeah, it said southwestern United States. And I thought, are we back in California? <gasps> Most excellent. Yeah, this was uh, staged a lot like a western. And I really appreciated that uh, in the last book we read, they also mentioned that there is a drought. So it's like... Yes. It's not... Yeah, it's, like, really unusual that these background things kind of carry on, so it was cool to see that here. And um, it's another instance of Tobias having troubles getting food, which he seems to have been having this problem for the past several of his books. Yep. It's like he's becoming worse at being a hawk because of his <laughs> boyhood. You're getting shittier at being a hawk, Tobias. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, man. It's, it, I think I read it more as like, oh, I wonder if this is a way to indicate like the cycling of the seasons. Like there was a while where like there was a lot of prey and a lot of, you know, things for him to hunt. And now we're like back in like the sort of shittier part of the season. Oh, okay. But that's, that's just me pontificating. That's not a fact or anything. Oh, I was thinking back to his book with the rabbit. Yeah. Um, and well that was that was his own personal issue. Yeah. Well, but he was saying like, "Oh, you know, I missed this opportunity because I was thinking about my human life, which was a very yeah. big theme in that book." So I was like, "Is this his way of unraveling maybe?" In a way. Uh, he certainly seemed to unravel throughout this book. 
Well, yes. Okay, this next part made me so mad, so. Oh, God, I guess that this is the part that made you so mad, too. <laughs> um, I did, okay, I will admit, I loved Rachel in this thing, who, like. I mean, Rachel's great. Bias, Rachel's great. Her actions were not as good. She, <laughs> she was great. But I just loved that, like, in my head, like, she just came blazing into this battle. And, like, Tobias is having this very serious, like, I need to be the hawk and I need to focus and I need to stop letting, like, human life clutter me. And Rachel's just like, hey, man, did you notice this giant snake in here? What are you doing? <laughs> hey! Like, <laughs> she just, like, so matter of fact. barrels in. She is. She's like, hey, what's up, man? Did you notice that five-foot snake? Pretty cool, huh? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Tobias says nothing. And she's like, I know I don't have to baby you. You'll be fine. But, like, you know, there's this drought happening. The weatherman's, like, it's not stopping anytime soon. So I just thought I'd, like, bring you some food and eat. So anyways, just shut up and eat already. God. Like, <laughs> she is just this, like, fucking force to be reckoned with in this moment. Oh, my God. Like, Tobias says nothing for, like, five paragraphs, and she just goes on and on. <laughs> yes. It was it's fucking so hilarious. It was so good. Oh. oh, man. Yeah. So that's, like, the open. And then she demorphs. She lays out the food. And Tobias gets, like, laser-focused on this burger. And he's kind of, like, having this moment where he's, like, oh, you know, like, the hawk really wants to eat. But, like, also the kid part of me, like knows what it's like to bite into a burger and to have the bun and the onion and the pickle and like all this stuff and that's so satisfying but i need to eat as a hawk and so she's like asking him these questions like oh so do you want me to like take this out do you want me to take the pickles off like what do you want me to do and he's like not responding and she's like hey like, <laughs> he's too busy drooling attention <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so he just tells her to like no just grab one of the patties and like give it to me so she did he eats it he satisfies his hawk body and then he demorphs into his human body and um, he starts eating the burger and he's like full on moaning with like burger gore running down his face <laughs> and like blah, blah, blah. And Rachel has just been like talking the whole time. And like finally she just goes, we have really weird dates. Like this is really fucked. <laughs> oh, God, it was great. That is this like whole chapter until the very end where Rachel's like, by the way, there's a meeting. We have to go. But like this whole chapter yeah. is just him eating this burger. Uh, okay, so we've definitely talked about how hawks can't eat hamburger. They cannot eat ham. Cannot eat cooked meat. It ruins their feathers and their liver and their organs. We it's talked just- about this in episode two. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we did too because that's when he was eating Jake's leftover hamburger oh in the attic God. or whatever. And again, that's- it's not like your best friend doesn't run a rehab clinic and probably has frozen mice aplenty. Absolutely, and like. Come on. And, like, when an eagle is flying with a McDonald's bag, so much weirder than flying with mice. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and the other thing that I was confused about, and I feel like this is something I should have been clear about, like, way the fuck back in the series, but did, remember in, in the Arctic book when they were wolves and they ate a seal? Oh, yeah, vaguely. So, like, do you have to only eat in your real body or can you eat as a morph and then it transfers into your other body when you morph back like i don't understand why he had to eat the burger as a hawk yeah and like it's not super clear but my my understanding is you do have to eat in your original body to be like satisfied and to process the food and everything but like 
that's just so difficult, right? Like, that's... Yeah. It's so difficult to buy at this point. Because, like, yeah, in that book, they did do that. And, like, that wasn't a great book. It was the first ghost-written yeah. book. And, like, you know, the rules weren't clear. So my understanding is this, that you have to eat in your original body. But, like, then again, the kids couldn't eat raw seal. And they did have to eat. So. Yeah, and Tobias and Axe, I think, were fleas. And they drank blood. And mm-hmm. I'm just confused yeah and i felt it was a little retconny a little bit it was like a weird thing to retcon and for such kind of a not very vitally important reason not a good payoff on this maybe that's nitpicky i don't know it's not the worst retcon that happens in this book (laughs) (laughs) i'll get into later okay Uh. i'm into it um yeah, so anyways, so we cut to the meeting. Tobias is giving us a short rundown of the war in Visitor 1, the normal, like, you know, we can't tell you who we are, blah, blah, blah. We find out that there is just some reason that the Animorphs think that the Yurks may have their blood and they're looking for their blood. They don't really mention why they think that. It's just all of a sudden understood. Blood. Um, <laughs> blood. Maybe not blood. Okay, Sorry. <laughs> They're, they're all <laughs> racking their brains trying to remember if they donated or, like, went to the hospital. And they quickly are like, okay, well, it's not going to be Axe or Tobias because Axe has been a bird forever. And, or Axe has been an alien forever and Tobias has been a bird forever. So they're fine. They have not given blood. Marco's presumed dead. Nobody's looking for him. So, like, okay, it's between Rachel, Cassie, and Jake. And the only lead they have is how Rachel was dragged to the hospital when she had that yam foot disease that she caught from Axe. And so they may have a vial of her blood. But they're not sure. So the plan is basically we're going to try and hack all of the blood banks in the area and see which one's encrypted with alien technology. Which is not a bad plan at all, actually. That's really smart. Yeah. So I like that. Um, So Tobias is flying back to his meadow. He knows that the team will call on him when he's needed. Uh, Axe and Marco are off to look at their souped up Mac book. Souped up Mac. (laughs) Souped up Mac. And they're going to go try to... Break into blood banks. And so Tobias is like, cool, I'm going to go hunt. And uh, as he gets to his meadow, he starts pondering about his family. And and um, not his aunt or uncle, but his mom and his dad. And he was, starts wondering, like, what happened to my mom? Since, like, all he knew about her is what his aunt said, which was nutty as a fruitcake and wanted nothing to do with her kid. <laughs> like, very Harry Potter kind of, like, opportunity. was like, oh, your mom was crazy. Your dad was an alcoholic. It's kind of exactly like that. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, and then he starts wondering about Elfangor. And so we start getting this insight into, like, did he know that the night that he crash-landed on Earth that he was talking to his son? And then he comes to this conclusion, like, it must have been total coincidence, even though we felt the connection. The truth was Elfangor was just desperate, and he would have given the power to any kid that walked past. And then these musings are interrupted because he spots this garden variety snake and he's like, I'm going to go catch that motherfucker for dinner. He dives down to catch it. He nails it. But before he could dig in, this shirtless guy wearing camo pants creeps out of the back door with a bow and arrow. Tobias takes off and the guy fires two shots at him. And luckily he misses both times. But Tobias is like, damn, you stupid idiot. You're just trying to get even with the snakes and you're hunting in people's yards and you know you shouldn't do that. Blah, blah, blah. Which I thought was dumb because... Why would you think that you're going to get shot if you hunt in somebody's backyard? Oh my fucking god. I was so mad at this part. Like, this just... 
First of all, this dude is ballsy as hell. Because, like, Tobias said, it was a brand new housing development. So, presumably, there's, like, maybe other people around. Why would you shoot a compound bow in, like, a crowded area? I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Second of all, you can't shoot a red-tailed hawk because they're a protected species. That's right. That is a huge fine. And a lot of trouble and maybe jail time. Yeah. Like, third of all, like, for a brand new, like, subdivision, this seems more like kind of, like, trailer park sort of behavior. Maybe that's mean. But, um... And then fourthly, like, why did this need to happen at all? Why couldn't it just been like, oh, someone's pet dog, like, ran over and tried to eat me, so I flew away? Why does it have to be, like, a dude with with a bow? That just seems so implausible. It would have been even better if it was like somebody's aggressive German shepherd ran at him and then later in the book. Yeah. 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 Like this is such a weird situation and I don't know. It just made me mad. Yeah. That being said, I have fired my bows at the back fence of the rental house and there are houses behind me. So. I mean, well, okay. (laughs) 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 I mean, who hasn't shot a bow in a heavily populated area? But still, you're not supposed to. (laughs) Five minutes ago was who shoots bows in heavily populated areas. Now it's who hasn't shot a bow in a heavily populated area. (laughs) How quickly your tune changed. Oh, no. It's kind of true. I deserve to be called out. (laughs) I'm not... Okay, I'm not trying to, to... call you out and a field tip is very different from a hunting tip yes both would puncture you and do a lot of damage but it like hunting shooting with a hunting tip is like an aggressive stance shooting with a field tip is kind of like this was clearly an accident yeah and like i'm trying to get inside this guy's head so he's in his house he's shirtless and he looks out his window he sees a red-tailed hawk in his yard he grabs his bow that's already set up conveniently and runs out his door and tries to shoot this protected bird it almost would make more sense if he was like i saw a rabbit chained in the backyard and went in like the guy was waiting to hunt as opposed to like this fucking creep is walking around his subdivision house with no shirt on and a strong compound bow it makes no fucking sense and i am i'm assuming if he has a compound bow and he hunts regularly and he keeps it like set up in his house that he knows that a hawk is a protected species maybe not i don't know but yeah. like i'm assuming that if you hunt you have to kind of know these things so that you I don't mean, get you in just, trouble how many people though shoot whooping cranes every year like well, people know they just don't care i know it sucks but i'm trying <laughs> I'm just trying I know, to, I know, I know yeah. what you're saying. Like, this is very, it, it seems I'm trying to make an argument for the guy to be there, and there's none, and I hate it. Yeah, and, like, why are you wearing camouflage pants in your subdivision? You can't hide. There's no foliage. That's just stupid. That's why I was confused. I was like, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. None of this is, none of this makes sense. It's like you could have just changed you changed it to be a dog or a cat that's a pet and that's in the yard and you would have solved this problem. And again, a German shepherd would have been beautiful foreshadowing yeah. and also like really like Yeah. yeah that is such that a good idea. Oh my god. That, why didn't Lisa Hartgrader contact me before writing this book? Is that who wrote that it? Is, that is who wrote it. Nice. <laughs> she should have reached out to me so we could have talked this through. Oh my god. 
So the next morning, Tobias is flying out to Axe's scoop to meet up and say, like, what up? And when he gets there, he finds Marco and Axe hanging out. And Marco's like, great, you're here. This saves us the trouble of trying to find you. And Tobias is like, wow, you already found the, the blood bank? And Marco's like, hell yeah. Basically, if you have medical records with a blood bank, you can get it in two clicks. You don't even need a password. It's kind of creepy how easy it is to find that <laughs> shit. And then he goes... But we get to Midtown Bioservices Incorporated and like it's like hacking the CIA and Axe just kind of like chimes in like actually hacking the CIA was much easier. And <laughs> Tobias was like, you hacked the CIA? And Marco's like, I got to find something to do. There's there's no school anymore. There's no babes. And this is when <laughs> Tobias just fucking nails him right. And it's like, there's no babes in your life before either. And Marco's oh like, God. what the fuck, man? How that's so mean. And mean. um and this is the best part of this is like Marco's like, yeah, I'd, you know, be pretty satisfied too if my girlfriend was taking care of my every needs. And he mentions that in the background Axe is lovingly staring at an M&M's ad. <laughs> God, I, I love him so much. He's so good in this book. Axe is fucking incredible in this book. <laughs> He just has uh. pictures of his favorite foods up in his scoop. Just <laughs> framed a photo of cinnamon buns. Oh, what a good lad. He's so good. So um, Tobias is back to talking to Marco and he's like, hey, do you want to trade lives? And he doesn't really respond. But Tobias is like, I wonder if Marco would, wouldn't be better cut out for this life. Because he kind of goes between this whole like... Marco sees the clear line, like, A to B. Like, maybe he'd be better at, like, hunting prey because he wouldn't have this moral thing. But also, he'd probably be totally fine with letting Rachel take care of him and being fed. And he'd just preen and stare at himself in the mirror every day. And, you know, Tobias is like, maybe if he didn't have this weird, like, moral code that he has to hunt and be part of the wild, things would be easier for him. Maybe. Yeah. It's kind of sad. It was... really sad he's like comparing himself to marco in a completely hypothetical situation and just beating himself up and it's just kind of tragic there's a there's so much this book that is just really like this is all in your own head please step out of your own head yeah for a moment (sighs) that being said i wasn't really feeling the marco tobias banter in this scene like no in this scene, okay. I thought you in were this, say this scene, book. like I felt like Tobias was being kind of mean towards Marco. Yeah, I in agree. a way, like, and then he goes down to describe Axe's scoop and like describes all of Axe's possessions, and then he's like, "Yeah, and Marco has a bunch of shit here. Like, he's a boy with a lot <laughs> of toys, and he doesn't like explain what that means. No, other than maybe a CD tower. Yeah, and and just like that whole dig at Marco, I I just. I felt that was weird because I don't feel like Marco and Tobias have that kind of camaraderie. Like, I don't feel like they're at that level of comfort with each other to, like, make digs at each other like that. Yeah, it's like if you're saying that, it's because there's truth to it. It's not because it's funny banter between teammates. Yeah, like, if it were Marco and Rachel, then absolutely I would buy it. But, like, yeah, it, coming from Tobias, it was weird. It was, and... It felt more like Tobias was lashing out than like this yeah. is funny banter. Yeah, because yeah. he he's sarcastic, but he's not like jabby. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. That being said, Axe was fucking perfect. <laughs> Axe is 
a beautiful beacon of hope <laughs> in all of our lives. He acts in this book was just like the flawless boy I've always wanted. No, he's so good. <laughs> Uh, okay sorry this next chapter though i'm also really excited about because marco is perfect in this next chapter okay okay so tobias marco and x are flying out to the bioservices building the blood bank and they're passing all of these like closed streets and police like redirecting people and they're like what's going on and then they see that there's a circus being set up and marco was immensely disappointed that nobody informed him the circus was in town and, like, Tobias does make a comment at this point. It's like, oh, it's because you're a clown. Like, nobody wants yeah, you to see, run like off and that, join the circus. That yeah. was weird. That was weird to me. That was weird. I didn't even really write it down. I just, it sticks out because it's weird. Yeah. Um, but Marco being immensely disappointed that nobody told him the circus was in town was very fucking funny to me. <laughs> yes. Not even the best part, though. So they meet up with Jake, Rachel, and Cassie in this alleyway that's adjacent to the clinic. And they're like, okay, there's definitely a Gleet biofilter set up. We have to go with the distract and cause a ruckus route. And Jake turns to Rachel and is like, all right, Rachel, go to Elephant. She's already, like, fucking halfway there. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and he's like, okay, you're going to go cause a distraction. You're going to get in, get out. You're going to demorph as soon as you get out, blend in, and wait for us to return. And Marco turns to Tobias and goes, she cannot do that. And Tobias just kind of <laughs> quietly is like, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, it was so good. This cracked me up so much when I was reading it. And I just love that, that Rachel saluted Jake with her trunk. I just thought that yeah. was really adorable. <laughs> yeah, that's the, so they go to Flies, are getting into place, and Jake is like, you have to do this. And Rachel just gives him a little salute. It's that's awesome. so cute. Um, and then the other part too, she goes off to do some major damage and the very first thing she does is she finds a BMW and stomps it and Tobias goes to Jake and he says, you've made her a very happy pachyderm. (laughs) Yeah. Like she hasn't stopped a car in so long. (laughs) Yeah. Finally. Finally she can stop a car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Which harkens back to to book three when they were freeing that hawk and she was stomping cars at the dealership. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Her favorite thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, like, one of the two most badass things that happen in this book, both of them, of course, can be attributed to Rachel, is she starts stopping the cars, creating this ruckus. The doors open, and Jake shouts, shouts out to Rachel now, and she grabs a no parking sign and, with her trunk, javelins it inside the door into the control panel. And the entire thing just, like, emits some janky noise and then announces imminent shutdown. And so they buzz in there as flies. And, like, as they're going through, Tobias is taking up the rear. The doors are shutting. He gets almost trapped at the last second, like, squinches through and is in. And Marco goes, oh, so nice of you to join us. At the same time, Cassie goes, oh, my God, are you okay? And he answers <laughs> Cassie. He's like, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was really good. It was very good. So they buzz along the ceiling above everybody's heads of all the controllers, the hork They find a what they think is a safe space to demorph. It turns out to be a closet. Once they do, Tobias comments on Marco's new morphing shirt, which Ugh. he was like temporarily like confused by. He's like, yeah, it's a great shirt, right? And Tobias like grabs it with his beak and he goes, do you know what this is? And Marco like pulls his shirt out of Tobias's beak and he's like, this just confirms why I never wanted a bird. <laughs> Marco's very good in this book. Marco is very good. And then he, like, it, they're like, it's the same color as the Hork armband for the special forces. And Conveniently. Like, okay, 
conveniently. And he's like, hey, you can't take my shirt. And they're like, why? And he goes, listen, I'm deadly without a shirt. I kill at the beach. And like, (laughs) it literally said Cassie was trying so hard to suppress a grin as she took Marco's shirt. (laughs) Oh, my God. The fact that he almost made Cassie laugh. Just like, oh, man. Chef's kiss. The fact that she didn't. Yeah, that she didn't (laughs) laugh. That he just almost. It was so good. It, uh, so it like made up for the fact that I was annoyed that he conveniently had a new morphing outfit that was the same color as the Horkbajer armbands. Like, yeah, are you serious? Yep. <laughs> but it was fine because that joke was great. It was, and I was super glad in this moment that Rachel wasn't there to make a comment back, and we just got to see Cassie's reaction. Yeah, which was so much funnier. Oh my god, it's <laughs> so good. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah. So, Cassie cuts up his shirt. They morph work bajure. They duct tape the armbands on. And they basically just walk out into the hallway and start marching around like they own the place. And, like, nobody acknowledges them, stops them, questions them. Nothing. Until they find a work bajure guard who points, like, a Draken beam at them. And they're like, oh, this is where the supercomputer is. Huzzah! <laughs> we did it. We did it. So, the guard's like, give us a pass. And Jake's like... A pass? And then he laughs. And the others all follow suit. He's, like, laughing (laughs) condescendingly. And then, like, Jake gets super close to his guard's face. And he's like, surprise inspection. And the Horkbusher guard just, like, crumbles in his presence. And, like, hits the pad to, like, put his handprint on there and lets them in. And Jake grabs the Draken beam off this guy, marches him in there. And once the door closes, he just smacks him over the head and, like, knocks him out. Nice. It was so good. And he's like, okay, Axe, go to work. And Axe is like, my Andalite body. He'd be like, great, demorph, do it. Doesn't even let him finish the sentence. He's like, just demorph. I don't give a shit. Um, As soon as he does, Axe starts up the computer and he starts processing a file that's like partially done. And almost right away, this match comes up. And they're like looking at it. They're like, "What what the fuck is this? And as they're like seeing it flash up, there's some information that pops up on the screen and the name matches Tobias's last name and it was his mom's name on there. <gasps> and yeah, they found her. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then Cassie goes, we've been dumb shits this whole time. They got our blood from everywhere. Every time we battled, we left blood everywhere. They have all of our blood. All of us. All of our bloods. They have them. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Uh. Cassie was much more eloquent. I just imagine, like, it's this, like, moment of, like, oh, my God, they got it all. Um, it runs red with our blood. The, the city is red with our blood. We've painted the town with our blood. Oh, my God. This is all drowned out because Tobias is having this moment of like, oh my fucking God, that's my mom. That's her address. Her address is eight blocks away from my house. It is one bus stop away from my house. It is right by where I lived. This is right by my house. And she never came and saw me. She never knew who I was. This is so close. So he's having a whole thing. And Cassie's having a whole thing. And they're two different things they're both having. Right. Um, and then a bunch of blue band Horkbizer enter the room and it's go time. And then from the Horkbizer, from the tall, super strong blue banded Horkbizer, orthopedic shoes hit the metal floor. (laughs) Grandma controller. Grandma controller, my favorite type of controller. (laughs) I know. I was like, (laughs) finally we get like an old person controller. I love this. 
Yeah, didn't we have one back in the uh, the um, meat processing book, Axe's book, like eighteen or whatever? Oh God, I don't remember. Maybe I could have. He was like one of the old scientist ones that were oh. trying to convince them that the beam was working and it wasn't. Yeah, maybe. Or the, um, but he was a scientist. Food. This this is like a lady of action. True. This is a lady of action that is very old, and she walks in, and Tobias expects, like, half expects her to offer them all cookies, but instead she pulled out a Draken beam. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, Jake privately says to Axe, keep working, erase Tobias's mom from the database. Like, we gotta get out of here. And Axe goes, well, there's a second layer of encryption. It's gonna take me a few minutes to bypass. And Jake's like, do it. So Axe is, like, continuing to work, not paying attention to what they're doing. And Jake changes his thought speak pattern to a deeper and more clipped and a light tone. Basically, Jake's trying to act bigger than he is. And he points the Drake and Beam at the computer, and the grandma was like, Smart, but if you destroy the computer, I won't have any reason not to destroy you, dearie. dearie. Um, she uses dearie a few times. It's fantastic. Ugh. Uh, at that moment, she spots what Axe is working on, and she sees the, like, glowing orange dot that's flashing on the computer, and she's like, ah, they found one! So she orders the hork to attack, and this bloody but quick battle ensues, where, like, immediately they're getting knocked about, and Jake drops the Draken beam, it goes skittering across the room under a control panel. Tobias dives after it, but he's intercepted by this hork that that takes a few blows, like, knocks him into a screen, knocks him to the ground, blah, blah, blah. Tobias ends up knocked to the ground, and this Horkbizier tries to, like, pounce on him, but all Tobias does is raise his wrist blades, and he ends up with the Horkbizier impaled on his wrist blades, and the guy literally dies because he starts, like, you know, passing out from his injury, and he slides down Tobias's wrists and, like, further onto the blades. It was, like, really fucking intense. Yeah. Um, and now and he's so he crushed, works, basically. And now he's crushed. So he's, like, working to, like, push this guy off of him. And he, like, is able to kind of get free. He starts reaching for the Draken beam when he hears Cassie scream, Marco! And so he turns around and he sees Marco standing there being held, like, restrained by one hork The other hork is, like, has a blade aimed above him about to slash his neck that's exposed and Marco's beak, his Horkbizier body beak, is ripped off and Aww. laying on the ground next to him. Oh, Marco. I know. Uh, so Tobias tells Marco, okay, kick. And as soon as Marco starts kicking at the guy, Tobias dives forward into his legs. And, like, they basically just end- send this Horkbizier, like, tumbling end over end. And the guy ends up, like, scorpioning and impaling himself on his own tail blade. Ugh. Yeah. The other Horkbizier, super fun. The other Horkbizier is still holding Marco. Cassie slashes him across the shoulder, but he didn't completely let go of Marco. So Tobias bites him. He bit him. He bites him. (laughs) We've resorted to biting now. We've resorted to biting in battle. (laughs) What's next? Hair pulling? I guess. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if like, uh, what's your face? That's true. Forfeiture had hair, for sure. I was thinking if uh, What's-Her-Face came back, Tobias's main enemy. Oh, Taylor? Yeah, if Taylor comes back. She would totally do that shit. Absolutely. (laughs) Nut kicking. Anyway, nut kicking, (laughs) hair pulling. It's all happening. Um, So anyways, uh, Tobias bites him. 
And so this is what finally makes the Horde Bajor let go. Marco slumps forward and Tobias catches Marco and starts like pulling him away. And Jake calls it off. He's like, let's go. We got to retreat. They attempt to retreat, try and make their way out of there. Tobias is dragging Marco's body across the floor saying like he's fading fast. Um, Jake grabs the guard hork He slaps his hand onto the pad because that guy's long fucking dead. Um, slaps his hand on the pad. It doesn't work. And evil granny starts laughing and like, ha ha ha, I deleted the hork from the database because I wanted to trap you here and I knew that you'd do this shit. And she's <laughs> I knew you'd like, pull this shit. I knew you'd pull this shit. The one of the most badass moments right here so the granny's like i've trapped you they immediately start like fuck what are we gonna do like we can't get through this crazy thick steel door like we're trapped in here forever the next thing that happens is two giant prongs just careen through the door with this horrible screech followed (laughs) by this grizzly bear roar and like what happened is Rachel stole a forklift, drove it through the door, and she's, like, tearing them open with this forklift. And she's like, don't think of it as stealing. Just think of it like I found a really big key. It's fine. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it's so amazing. Um, And the granny is like, no, my plans. And Jake is telling Marco to demorph. And Marco's, like, protesting. And Jake's like, it doesn't matter anymore. Demorph, you're going to die. Just fucking do it. And Tobias is dragging him out of there. He starts demorphing. They just kind of follow the tunnel that Rachel created through this building with the forklift. Because <laughs> she, like, drove through a bunch of walls. <laughs> uh, and also she starts backing it up as a grizzly bear, like, boop, jumps in the seat. Boop, puts it boop. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which is fucking hilarious. Oh I don't care gosh. who you she's are. She's amazing. She's so fucking amazing. Um, yeah. So then, they, like, she backs up the forklift. They are starting to get out of there. They're starting to retreat. They take off running. Um, and Rachel basically ends up leading this whole, like, group of people again with Cassie. And Axe is bringing up the rear once they get off the forklift. Uh, they're running out of the building. And, like... People in hork are just jumping out at them, trying to stop them. And, like, the first guy jumps out at Rachel and is like, freeze, has a dragon meme. She just plows through him. There's hork that are, like, coming up behind them and Axe is fighting them off. And, like, in the middle is Tobias and Marco. And Marco's finally kind of getting demorphed and, like, getting okay and starting to go. And they make it out of the hole that Rachel's created. She slides a dumpster back in the way to keep the controllers in there for a bit. And immediately, Axe starts going hairier, Tobias starts demorphing, and Marco starts morphing to Bird. The other kids are dragging behind because they all have to go from their battle morphs down to their regular cells, then back to their bird morphs. Mm -hmm. So the three of them, Marco, Axe, Tobias, get airborne, and they're watching as the controllers are able to push the dumpster out of the way. And they all start pouring out of the building. And the granny is the one that rounds the corner and sees the half-morph kids and, like, fires and blah, blah, blah. So she starts shooting at them. There's an explosion. The alleyway fills with smoke, which just obscures everybody's vision. Very intense Whee! mission here. Yeah. yeah. This is when it starts getting really good. Like, before this, it was yeah. like, oh. Yeah. There was, like, a lot of exposition and it was weird and, Yeah. Yeah, and the tone wasn't quite there. Yeah, but now it's, like, it's an Animorphs book for sure. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is, like, this was a really long book. Yeah. Like, we could have cut out a lot of that beginning part. Yeah, because it's, like, this far in the series, you, I feel like the reader should already know 
everything about Tobias' situation. Like, he shouldn't have to be like, oh yeah, my mom, it happened this, and blah blah blah, and my dad's Elfanger, and I found out in this book, and blah blah blah. Like, yeah, maybe like one or two sentences to sum it up, but it was like, let me recap like three different books for you. And it's like, we don't need this, yeah. though. I mean, I the part of their mission statement was like, a person could pick up any one of the books and like they'd kind of know what was happening but i feel like they should really make an exception for like the last five or six books because like yeah if you're gonna start that far into the series it's your own fucking fault <laughs> you don't know this like if you pick it up and you look at book 49 and you say all right fuck it i'll start here like that's on you yeah because it is it is serialized like yes it's you know it starts off as kind of like a you know morph of the week but Right. It it does have a long continuation. And yeah, if you miss shit, that's your problem. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is your own fucking fault. Okay, you should have thought about this. God. Yeah. Like if I pick up any series, if I'm like reading and I see it's like five or six and the books are this thin, I'd be like, all right, I'm probably good. But if I see 49, I'd be like, well, maybe I should try and find one of the first 10. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyways, a second explosion rocks the building and there is smoke everywhere and Tobias starts calling out for Rachel and after a moment she replies, I'm okay, I'm just singed. And Jake interjects, hey, Cassie and I are okay too. Thanks for fucking asking. I know. (laughs) God, Tobias. (laughs) Thanks, Tobias. Only worried about Rachel, I see how it is. Whatever, Tobias. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So they come kind of drifting up, and the team splits up, kind of, and they wind their way back to the barn. And the time to think doesn't sit well with Tobias, because he's just this whole time going, like, how come my mom only lived eight blocks away, and she never came for me? She never tried to see me. She never visited. She, like, lived so fucking close to me. And he goes through this whole thing of, like, when I was a kid... I thought she loved me. No, I knew she loved me. And there was always, like, a reason that she couldn't be there. But, like, now I find out she lived eight blocks away from me. And she maybe even passed my uncle's house every day. And she didn't even stop. Like, what the fuck? Hmm. So he's thinking all of that the whole flight back to the barn. They reconvene at the barn. And Tobias flies in, and Marco kind of gives him this little nod, and X smiles at him in this, like, weird, sad, Andalite way. I loved this. Like... I loved this so much. Like, Marco's just sitting on top of the hay bale, and he kind of nods at Tobias, and then he just, like, stares at a piece of hay in his hands. And I'm like, that just speaks volumes to what he's just been through. And it's so good. Yeah, well, not only that, it's, like, what he just went through and how hard it is on him. But as he, like, talks about in just a moment or two, Marco's probably also contemplating, like, fuck, like, what Tobias is going through right now. Yeah. Is so similar to what yeah. I have been through. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just love him so much. This is so intense. And, like, so, so... Like, all of the characters had good interactions in this book. This isn't, like... I was trying to think who our main two or three characters were. And it's kind of... all Like, Cassie's maybe the most on the back burner, but yeah. she's still really important in this book and has a lot to do. Yeah! Oh, yeah. man. Okay, sorry. Let's get to the end of this so that we can talk about this in a way that's not thinly veiled as to there's more coming up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> 
Um, basically, like, uh, so Marco gives the greeting, Axe kind of smiles at him in his Andalite way that's, like, a little sad and, like, also kind of, like, happy to see him. And Jake just kind of gets pissed. Like, he hauls off and punches the side of one of the enclosures. And he's like, this is all my fault. If the Yerks didn't have our blood before, they sure fucking do now, considering we all just bled in the control room where they were doing the blood testing. They Like, we fucked up. They sure as shit have all of it. And he goes, so we should have evacuated before. We never should have done this mission. I can't believe I fucked up this badly. And Axe is like, don't blame yourself. And Jake goes, I... I have to. This whole thing was my fucking fault. I never should have gone on this mission. Yeah. And um, they start talking like about Tobias's mom and how they found her. And Marco just immediately goes, you can't go after Tobias's mom. She's already going to be under surveillance. It would be a miracle if she wasn't already a controller. And Tobias kind of half-heartedly goes, well, like, no, we could, now that we know where she is, we can go after my mom. And even as he says that, like, in his head, he's like, Marco is probably right about this. There's no way we can go after my mom. Like, that logic is probably correct. And Jake brings it back and he says, well, like, this isn't just about Tobias's mom. They have all of our information. What are we going to do with all of our families? Like, we can't uproot their lives. We can't just make them leave everything they know. And Rachel goes, yeah, we can, because that's all they have is their lives at this point. If we don't get them out of here, they're going to die. So we got to move on this. And so they adjourn the meeting. They're like, okay, let's think about it for the night. Let's go home. And like, we'll reconvene tomorrow and figure out what to do. And Tobias is like, okay, great. He goes to leave. And Rachel goes, wait, wait. And he kind of hesitates. And she's like, you know, can you stay and talk? And he goes, no, I just have something to do. And he makes some comment. Like, if I if I was a normal teenage boy, I probably would have kissed her then before I left. But instead, I just turned and flew out the window. So... Tobias is taking off towards his mom's address. Big surprise. Uh, But he flies past his uncle's house on the way and he notices somebody new must be living there because it's not so run down looking. There's like a new layer of paint on the garage. The lawn was mowed. It's looking kind of cool. So then he drifts off towards his mother's neighborhood, which as he gets in there, he's like, this is the worst part of town. Like I've lived in the bad part of town, but this is the worst part of town. And the way that he spots her out, her house is that she's the only one that has real shades on her windows he's like every single other house in this neighborhood has the windows boarded up with plywood or like there's bed sheets it's basically just not a good neighborhood right um he lands on top of his mother's house and over like he overhears this fight a couple doors down where they're arguing over who's gonna watch a baby and the kid leaves it's a whole thing which doesn't really matter Ever? No, he makes a comment like, it reminds me of my fights with my aunt. And I'm like, how? Like, <laughs> she never had a baby that you watched. It was just you. Yeah. I don't know. But whatever. Um, he's listening in on his mother's house, trying to figure out what's going on in there. And the only thing he hears are soft footfalls and the sound of dog nails on the floor. And Tobias waits and waits and waits and waits. And waits. And eventually his mother comes out and he watches as she has this dog with this special harness and he watches as she feels like along the side of the door for the lock and she ends up locking the door without ever looking down and he goes, oh shit, she's blind. Well, that's fucked. Um, So he watches her lock the door 
She then starts instructing the dog, who very confidently navigates her around. He's very obedient. He's a very good, good boy. boy. He's a very good, good boy. Um, and he kind of follows her for a few blocks. And as he's kind of wheeling around her, he notices that one side of her face just has these horrific injuries. Like, just like huge scars, hair missing, like scars down to her mouth, kind of eye totally wrong direction kind of a thing. It's it's bad. Mm. Um, he follows her down the street until she eventually goes inside of a church. And so then Tobias morphs to fly. Sneaks into the building, he seeks out the smell of dog, zeroes in on it, lands on his mother's desk, and he finds out that she's working at this crisis center where people who are having, I'm guessing, suicidal thoughts or any issues they have, you know, that they need to talk to somebody with, they call in, and she is just, like, super understanding and, like, I'm here as long as you want, just talk to me, that's what I'm here for, and, like, tells them, you know, I'll be here till midnight, call me back, you know, if you need anything. Uh And then a second... Or he's listening in on all this, and then his fly body reacts. He shoots off the table, and he is missed by just milliseconds as this fly swatter comes down. And the guy goes, ah, oh, missed. The flies are thick around here tonight. And Lauren laughs, and she says, flies are God's creatures, too. And Tobias just leaves at that point. He's like, okay, so flies are cool with you, but you just fucking leave your kid to fend for themselves? Wow. Cool. Cool, Lauren. Wow. Super cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And at this point, I'm like, well, I, I was guessing that, like, the Elemist interfered somehow and maybe, like, erased her memories. But then, you know, the, the blindness and the injury. So I wasn't sure what to think at this point. But I, I assumed that she didn't just abandon him. I was giving her the benefit you of the hoped. doubt. I hoped, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. So... The kids are all in the barn. We cut to the next day. And all of them are exhausted because they all just spent this insane night at home. And by all of them, of course, I mean Jake, Cassie, Rachel. Not actually. The kids with parents. The kids with parents who aren't already at the compound. Yeah. Uh, They're all in the barn and they're exhausted from having spent a night at home pretending that all of this life that they were living wasn't just about to evaporate. So Cassie had stayed up all night doing everything she could for the animals in the barn. And Rachel had been spending the night. Okay, so yeah. So Rachel had spent all night coaching her sister through her gymnastics routine. And she was pretty upset too because she thought her sister had a really good shot of winning. But of course she'd never be able to do it. Um, and Jake had just spent time looking through the newspaper for used lawnmowers. I guess. <laughs> And uh, Tobias did not admit to anybody that he had stalked his mom and, like, wallowed for so long as a fly that he actually thought maybe he was a fly nothlet for a minute there. Great. But he wasn't. And uh, Jake had brought Mr. King along because they're like, whatever we decide, that she needed to know the plan and also we can use her help. And Mr. King goes, I'm here to help in whatever way I can. And Cassie very sadly asks, well, could you just end this all? Like, I'm done. (laughs) Oh, no. And uh, Mr. King is just as depressed. He's like, if I could, then we would have done it a long, long time ago. But you can. You could have. Get rid of the power limiter, you fool. It's fine. But I did like this moment from Cassie where it's like she's facing this very daunting moment of telling her parents the truth. And she just doesn't want to do it. So her last ditch attempt is to be like, can you just make it all stop and go away? Yeah. Uh, that's a very good moment for me. 
Yeah. And I also, I was glad that it was Mr. King here too and not Eric because he just has this very like parental kind of aura about him when he's like, he, like when he says genuinely sadly, like if we could have stopped it, we would have done it a long, long time ago. Like I'm glad that came from Mr. King because it feels like more weighty that way. Yeah. If it had to come from Eric. That's a good point because I was confused as to why Mr. King was there and not Eric. Eric's around. Yeah. We'll come to him eventually. <laughs> uh so they they just they decide they got to they've got to evacuate their families that's the solution they're going to take them to the horkbusher colony and they're going to hide them there and jake says okay we do this we get everybody out but let's do my family last and i want to take tom and he he puts it to a vote he does say like let's vote on whether or not we do this tom thing because it's gonna be all of us for three days like watching tom it's a big deal and every single one of them votes yes and Tobias votes, yes, we get all of them out. And he doesn't think that Jake catches his meaning. Which, fair enough, Jake doesn't. When he says, we get all of them out. Um, and they're like, okay, like, when do we start? And Cassie basically just, like, stands up, dusts off her pants, and she's like, right now, both my parents are home. That never happens. And then she turns around and she goes, let's do it. <laughs> oh, I'm ready for this. So they all approach this porch where Cassie's mom is sitting drinking coffee reading the newspaper on her one day off in a long long time oh oh no (laughs) sorry uh so Mr. King casts this hologram around them so that whatever they do inside of this porch or a bubble cannot be seen by what's on the outside so Tobias swoops in lands right next to Cassie's mom which does not get her attention doesn't even look up she the hawk lands next to her she's like okay so he like taps her coffee cup with his beak and she looks up and she goes my you're a friendly hawk <laughs> she's so okay with this she is she's like whatever <laughs> tobias is like sometimes but mice and horkbisher might disagree and cassie's mom just goes okay i guess i should get some more sleep or you know maybe we shouldn't have switched to decaf this is not good And at this point, Cassie, Rachel, and Jake kind of make their way up to the porch. And Cassie goes, you're not hallucinating, Mom. And then she calls for her dad to come down, too, like, into the house. And she says, Daddy! Daddy! Daddy, Daddy, come to the porch, Daddy! (laughs) Daddy, we need you! Oh, God, please don't say Daddy. (laughs) Never. (laughs) So, Tobias starts demorphing, and Cassie's mom (laughs) freaks the fuck out. She's like whoa shit and she grabs her newspaper like throws it over tobias and like scoops him up and puts him under one arm and she's like get away get away it might be contagious i love her i love her too and cassie's like no mom put him mom put him down mom it's fine drop the bird and like her mom's like oh my god get your dad we might need to do surgery like oh my god and cassie's like no stop mom no this is fine but basically, her mom is just, like, bodily dragging this growing, morphing monster towards the barn, going, like, get your dad! Get your dad! But it's not until Tobias is, like, a full-size kid that she drops him on the ground because she's seen Axe in front of her. And she's, like, looking at Axe, and she's just, like, I knew those, like, radio- those power lines were, like, radioactive or some shit. Like, the <laughs> wildlife is morphing. So she's, like, kids, get behind me! There's something going on here. It's like radioactive. It's going to harm us all. Just get behind me. Oh, no. And Cassie's like, Mom, it's an alien. That's our friend. He's a good guy. And this is fine. And then Axe goes, Hi, Cassie's mom. How do you do? Oh. <laughs> 
And she's like, I'm okay. How 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 are you? <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. I love this so much too. And like after Axe introduces himself, she starts like listening to Cassie because she's like, okay, something's going on here. And she then approaches him like once she, Cassie's like, he's friendly. He's on our side. This is fine. And she like just does this thing that I feel like any person that's like used to larger animals will do where she just like runs her hand down his back to his rump. And Cassie goes, mom, you wouldn't touch Jake's butt, would you? And Cassie's mom's like, oh, my God, of course not. And she's like, then stop touching axes. She touched the butt. <laughs> she touched his butt. That's a weird note to end on, and I'm uncomfortable. It's just, it's so funny, because, like, <laughs> if it's a larger animal that's, like, right in front of you, the very first thing that, like, like Smack the butt. anytime, like, a horse comes up is, like, you just kind of, like, run a hand down its side. Yeah, you end up on the rump, but it's not, like, a butt. butt. <laughs> it's not a butt. It's not, like, a butt. butt. It's just a cheek. Yeah. Anyway. It's just a, it's, anyways, it's, like, an extension of the back. Right. It's, it's a leg. <laughs> Oh, which is exactly what a butt is. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> so Cassie's dad comes out of the house trying to, like, spew a funny quip, but, like, it just dies. He's like, He starts saying something like, when was Dawn scheduled at, like, oh, shit, because he spots Axe. He starts rubbing his eyes, and Cassie's mom's just like, Walter, it's not an illusion. Just come sit down. <laughs> so they sit down, and Cassie morphs into a wolf in front of them, and she's like, listen, I'm still me, but I'm also the wolf. And, like, let me just explain everything to you. So she tells them about the Yerks, about the battles, about Tom. She tells them everything. And when she was done, her mom's reaction was just to pull Cassie into her lap and hug her, saying, my poor baby, why didn't you tell us we could have helped you? Oh, I love them. I loved this so much. This was so sweet. They're the best parents. So... Anyways, um, Cassie explains, like, I the reason I didn't tell you is because I wanted to keep, keep you guys safe for as long as possible. And that's just not, it's no longer possible to keep you safe. We have to go. And Cassie's parents are like, we can't. There's, look at, we have the clinic. We All these people are depending on us. All these animals. We can't. There's just no way we can go. And Cassie's, like, arguing back and forth. And they're just like, nope, nope, not possible. Can't do it. And uh, that's when Mr. King materializes out from the hologram as himself. And then there's, like, this really funny comment of, like, Jesus Christ, what are we keeping in this barn? Like, there's so much shit in there (laughs) that we don't know about. Um, But he materializes, and he just plays a clip of one of the battles for them where Cassie, as a wolf, gets shot. And, like, it's just, like, her, like, completely bloody. And they watch as this controller just, like, pumps her full of bullets like just keep shooting her and she's like twitching and seizing and bleeding and her parents saw this go down and they were just like we gotta go right now so they packed up what they could they gla- they grabbed basically all of the animals the deer they couldn't get because it was too large and cassie's having this thing of like no one's gonna be here to change her bandages i don't know what i'm gonna do we can't take her with us and then Mr. King just drops, like, by the way, I was the assistant to Pasteur. Oh, so my God. I'll go ahead. I know. Fucking G. The G thing. Or he's like, I'll just go ahead and take care of the dough until she's ready to go, and then I'll lead her to safety. Oh, that's and nice. that, like, settles Cassie down. It's so nice. 
Um, that settles Cassie down, and they're just about ready to go. They have the, the truck all packed with all the animals and all their stuff. And Marco goes to gorilla and, like, climbs in the back of the truck to, like, hold down the cages. And he turns to Cassie's mom and goes, just think of me as a furry guardian angel. And she just shoots him this look, like, really, dude? And that's it. She doesn't say anything. She just gives him a look. They get in the truck, and they drive away. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that so much. <sighs> Uh, and like Cassie had made a really big deal when they were about to talk to her parents like my parents are scientists they'll listen to reason and logic like we just got to explain it to them we got to sit it down so Rachel's like okay my house next and by the way reason and logic are not gonna work because <laughs> <laughs> my mom's a lawyer lawyer my mom's a lawyer she will argue with you whether or not she's right or wrong it doesn't matter and I fucking <laughs> love that she mentioned that because you remember, like, way back early when I was like, why does Rachel argue like her life depends on and whether she's right or wrong? And it's like, this is why. This is probably she why like she learned that. it from yeah. her mom. It only took, like, 50 books to figure that out. Thank you. <laughs> Finally answering the questions we should have asked yeah. a million years ago. <laughs> oh, man. So they get to Rachel's house. And Lords was waiting for them there. Because they'll never be royals. <laughs> And <laughs> oh god i love this whole scene actually i this one is so fucking good um and i thought this was the point where you texted me oh my god this is great i can't wait to talk about this i thought this might be the first one it was it was amazing yes yeah, so they walk in and like literally lords is casting this hologram to keep it contained so axes himself tobias is himself they're, they just walk in, like, all of them ready to go. Rachel's sisters are watching Cat Dog at oh. insane volumes in the living Jesus room. Jesus fucking Christ, Cat Dog. <laughs> <laughs> alone, 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 Cat Dog. dog. <laughs> I still remember that old theme song. Oh, um, that just, like, set the scene for me. It set this so good. Like, I can picture the house that they're walking into. It's, like, the exact layout of one of the, not my townhome from, like, back when I was a kid, but a similar townhome. Yes. And I can just picture it so clearly. Yeah. Um, so Rachel's mom is glued to her phone, yelling loudly about rescheduling this deposition. And, like, Jake and Rachel go upstairs and pack everybody's bags. They don't, like try to talk to them first they're like let us just handle this first so they pack all these bags they throw them in the car you know they're like okay like now we can do this thing where we reveal ourselves because rachel's mom's kind of wrapping up her phone call and basically she's like we won't be scheduling it it will be tomorrow end of story rachel's morphed grizzly at this point rachel's mom hangs up the phone and rachel just chimes in and thought speak saying tomorrow's not gonna work either you're gonna be busy and Rachel's mom spins around and then just starts backing up at the sight of this huge grizzly standing in her house. And then she starts screaming, Jordan, Sarah, get out of the house now. And Jake's like, no, no, Aunt Naomi, they're, they're not going anywhere. Axe, get them and bring them in here. So Axe comes walking into the kitchen with Sarah riding his back and Jordan in tow. And he goes, they're right here. And I will report that they've been calling me a Pokemon, even though I am quite swift. And they insist on training me. Oh, my God. My favorite <laughs> fucking line of all time. Was this the line? No. Oh, no. This is the first one I guessed you'd think it was. But this was not it. Oh, my God. I was. 
Oh man, Jesus, take the wheel. Fucking. It was so good though, oh, right? Oh my god. I loved this so much. Oh shit. Oh man. So, <laughs> this whole scene is so good. <laughs> Rachel's mom just starts reacting. She grabs the spice rack and lunges at Rachel as the grizzly bear with this spice rack. Like, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and Rachel just like swats it away and says, Yeah, mom, a bay leaf is really gonna do some damage. <laughs> And, like, the next second, Rachel's mom has thrown herself against the bear's belly going, No, Rachel, are you in there? Get it Did together, it Naomi. <laughs> Naomi has flipped her shit. Oh. And Rachel just, like, the epitome of an aloof teen goes, Get a grip, mom. I'm not in the bear. I am the bear. Oh, my God. God. And then because Naomi's losing her shit, Rachel basically is like, Jordan, get mom's purse. And Jordan just grabs the purse off the counter. She's like, yeah, this is fucking everyday scenario. Nobody gives a shit. And <laughs> Jordan and Sarah. Jordan and Sarah just like, a Pokemon! I'm riding on a, a Pokemon! Bear! <laughs> Family vacation! <laughs> um... Yeah, so anyways, they, they forcibly load everybody. No, they forcibly load Naomi into the car. Jordan and Sarah are pretty legit with just getting in. Rachel, still a grizzly bear, climbs into the passenger seat. And it is noted that damage was done to this car oh in this scene. fucking God. <laughs> Rachel's like, okay, like, Tobias, Axe, you go with Jake. Jake, you're going to need him. I'll stay here. I'll explain everything while we're driving. It'll be fine. She starts demorphing. Um, there is some question about, like, oh, what about dad? Is he not coming on this crazy vacation <gasps> so with us? Sad. And Rachel, like, it's super sad. Oh, my God. Rachel just says, like, I'll, I'll let dad know. We'll, we'll get dad. Don't worry about it. I promise. Oh, Even though no. there's no way to do that. Oh, no. Okay. I forgot about that. I was just so focused on the fact that, like, like, the way that both Cassie and Rachel revealed themselves to their parents was so quintessential to their characters. <laughs> yes. Like, Cassie's was, like, really, like, you know, calm, and there was lots of, like, loving embracing, and like, oh, we can't leave the animals, and, uh... My baby, my poor baby. And then Rachel's is just fucking like, hey, I'm a bear, let's go. <laughs> like, it's so chaotic. <laughs> Get in the fucking car, yeah, I'll explain on the way. Like, it was just, oh my god, the contrast was so brilliant and you know meanwhile tobias is having this like inner turmoil like oh cassie's and rachel's mom tried to protect their kids unlike my mom who hates me <laughs> yep and then it topped off with like where how are we gonna go get dad and i'm just like i'm a mess alex oh it yeah rightfully so this was all over the place I, I don't know that whiplash. either of these... It, it's like whiplash. And I don't know that either of these affected me as deeply as Marco's dad. Oh, no. That was like... Oh, my God. Heart-wrenching. That was heart-wrenching. But they both were, as you said, quintessential to their characters. And, like, Cassie's just, like... It was just such, like, the warm fuzzies of, like... You could feel that desperation of her parents, yeah. like... How much has my baby been through that I couldn't protect them from? And then Rachel's like, I'm in charge. Get in the car. Like, fuck all y'all. We gotta go. (laughs) And I loved both of those moments. They were so So good. Brilliant. Oh, it was so brilliant. And this fucking Sarah riding on Axe's back is just like the cutest (laughs) fucking thing. 
<laughs> and like Axe is indignant and like, <laughs> they called me a Pokemon. I am very swift. <laughs> I don't know what to feel. I, it was just so funny. And like this moment about their dad, like, you know, Rachel's lying to them. Oh my because God. She's still protecting them. But then Naomi, like, angrily drives away. And that also is perfect yes. for that Naomi, like... She's so pissed. She's so pissed. And you can see the emotions in the way she's driving the car where she, like, backs out, she pauses, and then she, like, guns it. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, God. I love it. And I just... That's, like, the moment for me when I can see that, like, yes, Naomi and Rachel are clearly related. Yeah. And then it gets fucking sad. Yeah. <laughs> um so they head towards jake's next and the note here at the top of the chapter is tobias is watching him fly and like we always get like tobias observes a lot about the different habits of his teammates as we've seen throughout the series so he's watching jake fly and he's noticing that like He's really clipped. He's turning sharply. He's diving quickly. He's diving low to the ground. He's kind of taking some risks that he wouldn't normally do. And Tobias is like watching this and all of a sudden he goes, he's flying like Rachel. Like something's going on here. And meanwhile, Jake's recounting his plan. He's like, we're going to grab Tom first. If we have Tom, my parents will follow. They get to his house where Eric is waiting and Eric goes, nobody's home. And Jake says, yeah, they're out shopping. They'll be back soon. I thought they'd be back by now. No big deal. Uh, This is better, actually, because the three of them will be in the car. And if we grab Tom in the car, we'll already be in the vehicle. And my parents will go wherever we take Tom. Axe, Tobias, and Eric are immediately on edge. And Jake just goes, it's fine. Like, you know, this, this will be great. They'll be back soon. It'll be easy. Jake lets himself into the house and starts just packing shit inside of there while the others wait outside. There's a really long stretch of time and then the garage door slides open and Jake is standing there with just a pile of stuff behind him, like suitcases, stuff he thinks his family might need. And he just starts like, you know, takes out a basketball, starts shooting hoops while he's waiting. They're not home yet. And Axe says, Jake, the longer they're not here, the more concerned I'm becoming. And Jake snaps. He goes, they'll be back. And Axe and Tobias start pointing out like, listen, they've been gone a while They're with a high-ranking controller who's going to be aware of the blood bank thing. They're going to know our plans. And also, we've left a trail by moving our families the way that we have. So this is not a good situation. And Jake starts getting angry, and he starts bouncing the basketball against the garage. And he's saying, it's perfectly normal for a family to go out and look for lawnmowers together. They're on sale right now. It's normal. It's fine. There's nothing weird going on. And Tobias starts spiraling upward. And as he does, he catches a glimpse of a silver car in the distance. And he goes, Jake, I see your family's car. And then he goes, oh, fuck, they're being tailed by two black SUVs. And he goes, Jake, it's a trap. We have to get out of here now. We have to move. And Jake goes, no, I'm getting my family. So he starts going to Tiger. And their Axe and Tobias are like, we have to go. We have to live to fight another day. You know this. This is what you said before. You know the drill here. You cannot go after your family. And because Jake is kind of losing it, Tobias just goes into this desperate dive towards the car, having no idea what he intends to do. He's just diving at a vehicle right now. And he sees Jake's mom lower the window with this twisted look of rage on her face. And then he notices that she's holding this Draken beam and he, she fires at him. His feathers are singed and it mostly misses, hits a bird bath. And then Tom comes out of the other window. He's firing 
They burn this huge, ugly black scar across Jake's house, and Tobias goes, it just felt like an omen. Um, In the next moment, the van jumps up onto the curb, flattening some mailboxes. They lose the Draken beam in, in this maneuver. They pull over, and they're yelling at Jake, it's time to retreat. You know this. We have to go. Jake had already reversed back to human at this point. And he starts going to Peregrine and Eric goes, wait, let me hide you. And Jake goes, no, I want them to see this. And so he stands in his front yard in full view of his family. And he says, this is for my family. So you have hope. So you know the truth from this whole time. So you don't believe you're your captors. And while he's doing this and full on morphing in front of his whole family, his mom jumps out of the car and starts running for the Draken beam. And Tobias just goes, Jake, move and he's finishing the morph as she's about to fire on him and tobias goes down and just slashes her arm and the shot goes wild and shatters out jake's bedroom window they start flapping away there's shots behind them they're kind of turning around the house to try and get out of range they're turning into the neighbor's yards they're zigzagging tobias and axe are doing this for a little while to try and lose them And then they start getting some altitude, but Jake is below them, still flying erratically, zigzagging in and out of houses and under power lines. And if there's signposts, he's kind of screaming sideways through them. He finally starts gaining some altitude and they're like, okay, this is going to be okay. But as soon as he does, he starts a dive and he gets to his 200 mile per hour dive before pulling up over asphalt at the last possible second. And Axe starts going don't blame yourself. You couldn't have known. And Jake goes, I could have. This was a huge fucking mistake. I made this mistake yesterday where I said we had to move when we should have waited. Today, I should have moved and I said we should wait. I fucked up everything. This is my family. And that's when Tobias realizes that Jake was always as lost and confused as the rest of them. But he had the goal of saving his family. Saving Earth would have been a nice aside, But it was always to save his family, and now he's lost that. And so he's watching as Jake is flying erratically, and Tobias just goes, I gotta go hunt. He peels off, and he leaves Axe to follow Jake. And I would give so much to know what happened between Axe and Jake in that erratic flight back to the hork colony. Oh my god, yeah! Oh no! What do you think happened between them especially since they're still in that weird i can't trust you because of the whole bomb incident oh my god that's right i don't even know i don't even know i I can't even oh my god i just i just imagine jake just like screaming and swearing and axe just like taking it and just being calm and supportive and i don't know yeah i don't know and i don't even know if axe would have because they're still having like presumably we don't really see it in this book but there's still got to be that weird relationship between the two of them at this point yeah i hate it i hate it so much i feel so awful for jake and me too oh my god and especially like on the way there, Tobias was like, "This is the moment of the war that he's been waiting for since the beginning." Yeah, this is to save Tom. His ultimate. Like, it's so fascinating that we're seeing this huge failure through someone other than Jake. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like if we were in Jake's head right now. Yeah, I have no idea. And I, I, I wonder how it would be if Marco were there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. Marco, his best friend. Like, I don't know. Who's had to kill his own mom. Yeah. Or close to it. Who thought his whole family was lost. Yeah. Who... Oh, my God. Oh. Having Marco coaching Jake through this would have been... Oh. I hate it. <laughs> Let's not dwell on this. I'm sad. Okay, sorry. Let's go to the next chapter. Where it's also sad. <laughs> and yet not... Uh, we'll, we'll get to yeah. it. <laughs> so Tobias heads back to his mom's house. And when he gets there, he noticed that there is a very obvious Yerk presence. There's this bag lady that's pushing a cart up and down the block. This teenager that's jamming out to a CD at a bus stop. There's a van across the street that looks completely run down, covered in weeds and vines and cobwebs, blah, blah, blah. But it had not been there the day before. And Tobias flew over and he was immediately noticed. The bag lady calls it in and he only catches snippets, but he can hear like, you know, don't know, holding off, we'll see. And like, he's being tracked. So he just kind of starts spiraling like a normal hawk would and eventually kind of spirals off into the distance and... He gets over to this billboard and kind of sinks down behind it so they lose their their, uh, line of sight on him. And then he backtracks, staying low, like going on in nearby neighbors' yards and roofs and everything, staying out of sight. And he lands on the one where he heard the fight from the other day. And he's keeping an eye on Lauren's house, and he's keeping an eye on the controllers. And there's no sign she's leaving anytime soon, so... He's just watching this bag lady go up and down the street, back and forth, back and forth, this kid jamming out, blah, blah, blah. After a while, it's like the bag lady sits down on the curb because she's tired. The kids missed like 13 buses. And finally, Lauren leaves her house with Champ. And Tobias is watching her really intently when he hears Marco's thought speak voice say, the dog is your ticket. Marco and X approach Tobias and Tobias is like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, Jake sent us. He said that he thought you'd need some help. And Axe is like, and I remember the address, so I'm here. So the three of them demorphed. Axe morphed to human. And they go to follow Lauren as she's walking down the block. And Marco goes, remember, just pretend that we belong. We're just three teens causing trouble. (laughs) Causing trucks. Causing trucks. And, like, what a recovery from Jake. Like, I can't imagine. Yeah. Like, Jake is losing it and yet still is managing. Which which also, when you way. said, you know, what is Axe saying to him on the way back? Like, like somebody, even if it wasn't Axe, somebody must have just, like, calmed him down enough for him to be like, okay, go help Tobias now. Yeah. <laughs> so, this scene. <laughs> oh, this scene. I'm going to do one of those things where I actually read from the book at one point. Perfect. And you know exactly yes. the point I'm talking about. So Marco, Axe, and Tobias enter the 7-Eleven after Lauren. And they see her shopping in this little store. And the first thing that Axe does is he sidles up to the man at the counter and he goes, We're juvenile delinquents, but you're not in any danger. Don't worry. <laughs> and Marco grabs him. And the three of them go to antagonize Lauren. And like Marco starts by being like the really tough guy like... Hey, get your dog out of here. He stinks. And she and Champ just ignore him. And Lauren goes to grab some milk out of the freezer or the cooler. And Tobias can see that it, it expired three days earlier. So he grabs her basket going, oh, look, you've done the shopping for us. And he ends up swapping out the milk and he hands it back to her saying, oh, dog biscuits, gross. So this is when Axe attempts intimidation. Oh, my God. My <laughs> darling boy. Ahem, allow me to read to you. 
She does not seem to be afraid of us, Axe whispered. She's probably been through worse, I said tightly. Ah, Axe nodded. She does not understand how menacing we are. He tapped her on the shoulder. You do not know me, he said, but I am a juvenile delinquent. I do not trust authority figures. I probably will not graduate from high school, and statistics say my present rowdiness and vandalism will likely lead to a more serious crimes. I am a dangerous fellow, and I am causing mayhem in this store. He, <laughs> he reached behind her and pulled three jars of baby food from the top shelf, shoved them behind a box of macaroni, shuffled the cheese whiz in front of the marshmallow fluff, tossed a bag of ladies' shavers onto a bag of hamburger buns. There. I have now shamelessly destroyed the symmetry of this shelf, undoing hours of labor by underpaid store employees. If you could see me, you would be frightened. How does it get any better than this? <laughs> just... If Axe isn't your favorite character, you're wrong. Oh my god, Axe is so perfect in this scene. He's the most perfect thing in the world. Oh my god. I'm crying. <laughs> There are tears in my face. As you should be. That's so fucking funny. Oh my god. It's so funny. I just... How? How is he so amazing? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, That's honestly one of my favorite lines in all of the books. The underpaid workers thing just, like, destroyed my entire life. <laughs> I just loved it when he kept giving her statistics. <laughs> 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 there i have destroyed the symmetry of the shell <laughs> we gotta go okay. okay so after axe's attempted intimidation doesn't work they they just grab champ and champ tries to resist but marco starts to acquire him so he gets drowsy and they say to lauren don't call the cops or the dog gets it we're just gonna borrow so him worried about him so yeah i know do the and she guy. just like well we know they're not actually. I know, but still. So. <laughs> um, they leave her there and she just stands really quietly. Like, she's she has not said shit to them this whole Which time. Which I'm confused about. Like, if someone tried to take my dog, I'd be like, fuck you. P- I please mean, don't. <laughs> she's just in such a. Like, she is so. Uh, what's the word for it? She's so vulnerable in this situation. Like, I, I can see why she just went quiet. Yeah. Or she's like, I, there's nothing I can do. Like, I just have to ride this out. Yeah. Like, you know. So they leave her where she is. They take Champ into a back room. Tobias acquires him, and Marco then swaps the harness from Champ onto Tobias. And they use a bungee cord as a temporary collar for Champ. And they're like, well, once he comes out of this trance, how are we going to keep him contained? And Axe just really, like sadly and quietly goes i really am a delinquent and he then produces the box of dog treats that he stole (laughs) (laughs) um and champ is like fuck yeah treats and he just sits down waiting for oh good boy (laughs) yeah so tobias just clicks back out there as her guide dog and lauren says said she knew that he wouldn't be gone long he grabbed she grabs the harness and says forward and tobias goes and almost pulls her over they tried again, and he kind of moves sideways, and she staggers into him and steps on his paw, and he yelps loudly, and Lauren stopped. She just, she's like, okay, we need to reset here. So she leans down, she, like, grabs his head and kind of starts baby talking to him and kissed his nose and said, those guys really rattled you so badly, but they're gone now, they're not coming back, we're gonna be okay, it's over now, we're back together, it's gonna be okay. Aww. 
And Tobias kind of, like, just melts. He has this moment of, like, this is everything I've ever wanted. My mom being reassuring to me and loving me. Then he admits that, like, in my mind, I was a human and this wasn't my super cool race car bed that I wanted. (laughs) Your precious thing. (laughs) My race car bed. I love him so much. He gets so defensive about that, too. Like, I don't care if it's lame. I still want my race car oh, bed. Oh, I love him, Alex. Oh, he's so sweet. <sighs> and finally, she stands up. And Tobias, like, collects himself. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do a really good job. Could do a good job for my mom. And he leads her so carefully. They don't have another incident. And he gets her back to her house. Once they get in there, Lauren takes the harness off of him, and he starts exploring, and and every two hours he has to go demorph and remorph in the bathroom until finally she goes to bed. And he morphs to human, and he starts going through all her drawers. And he's like, I'm just looking for evidence of her being a controller, of course. This isn't at all personal. This is fine. (laughs) Um, Finally, he finds this brown envelope that's covered in dust, and he kind of dusts it off, opens it, He pulls out a letter from her insurance saying that the injuries sustained in the automobile accident were permanent and irreversible. Her claims of amnesia were not believed and she was denied reconstructive surgery and it was not approved ever. Um, Tobias rereads the amnesia part and he's like, well, did she forget me? Like, how? That's not possible. And he kind of resolves to talk to her the next morning. And uh, then he's like, maybe once she talks to me, she'll remember me. And then he has this moan of, like, okay, so I've been watching too many soap operas with Axe, and that's not how it works. But, like, if it works on TV, maybe it'll work. Mm. Which is really kid desperate. Yeah. And I really felt like he was a little kid yeah. in that moment. Yeah. So Tobias wakes up early, brews some coffee for his mom, and waits for her at the kitchen table. And thankfully she wakes up early. So she comes downstairs, and, like, once she hits the kitchen and smells the coffee, she just goes, who is it? And Tobias is like, well, she probably figures a robber or axe murderer isn't going to make coffee. That's probably why she's not freaking out. And uh, he goes, it's Tobias, your son. And she just, like, she has this moment where she, like, looks confused and pained and, like, just, like, you know, shit's gone bad. And then she goes, I wondered how long it would, I wondered if you would ever find me, basically. (laughs) And she grabs herself some coffee, sits down with him, and Tobias immediately goes, you remember me? And she goes, no, 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 I, I don't remember you like that. I They brought me a little boy right after my accident. I was told it was my son, but I, I had no idea. I didn't remember having a baby. I didn't remember anything. And uh, she mentions that she sent the kid to live with her sister because she thought and hoped that living with people who loved him and remembered him would be exactly what he needed. And Tobias just has this moment where he croaks out really sadly. I needed a mom. And she tries to, like, explain to him, like, okay, listen, after my accident, it's not just, like, I didn't remember people or things. I needed to be taught everything. I didn't know how to brush my teeth. I didn't know what teeth were. I didn't understand it. Like, all I got were flashes of these alien nightmares, and it sent my doctors running for more tests, but, like, I didn't know anything. And I didn't think somebody like that was fit to raise a baby. So she wanted to make sure he had this stable childhood and thought that giving him to her sister would help. But of course, we know that that's not how it played out. Um, She said at one point she tried to find her sister's information because, of course, she didn't remember who her sister was, her sister's information, anything about her. 
She admitted, like, I, I guess I could have tried a bit harder to find you, but I didn't know where to start when the hospital didn't have any information on you. So, you know. And Tobias kind of waves it away and goes, listen, that all doesn't matter now, but we do need to leave. And, you know, we're going to go to the park. We're going to get your real dog back. In two days, we're going to meet there again. We're going to cut your phone lines to make sure nobody does this shit and you have to stay inside for two days. And she's like, what the fuck to all of that? <laughs> And he's, like, those alien flashes. She's, like, yeah, he's, like, were they, like, giant bladed creatures with, like, you know, brown skin, blah, blah, blah. And she's, like, who, who told you that? And he goes, nobody. I've seen them. And also, do you remember, like, another one, like, another alien thing? And she goes, well, I've never told anybody this, but, like, I sort of have this impression of an another kind of alien. And Tobias goes, flashes of blue. And she's, like, all right, two days, you said, right? Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> like, that is just enough to convince yeah. her. So, um, we cut to Tobias talking to Jake back at the Horkbisher colony, and he's saying he has to get his mom out. And Jake is going, there's no way. There's no way to know she's not a controller. It doesn't, like, you could have really, you know, gotten us in trouble there. And Tobias goes, she wasn't a controller. I spent all night there. She's been under surveillance for 24 hours. And by the way, Marco and Axe are back at the house doing surveillance right now, currently, while Tobias is here talking to Jake. And he's like, I've had her under surveillance for 24 hours. She hasn't slipped once. In two days, it would be official. We know she's not a controller. We can bring her here. And Jake is like, doesn't mean anything. It's too risky. Forget about her. We're not doing it. And Tobias is like, I'm not going to do that. And then he kind of like postulates. He's like, I don't think the Yerks are going to want her anyways. She's blind. And that means useless to them because their biggest draw to host bodies is sight. So he's like, I don't think they're going to go after her anyways. And uh, then he starts saying, okay, and also I can't forget about my family. Jake, I know you haven't forgotten about your family. And Jake, this kind of like snaps him out of it. Like he gets mad and then he kind of like understands where Tobias is coming from. And he goes to, he says, Jake, I have this crazy risky plan. I'm going to get her out. All I need is your trust. And Jake just goes, okay, take Rachel. You're going to need her talents. And Tobias flaps off over the valley to get Rachel. He notes on the way that the Horkbizer were completely energized by the new additions of people. Like, they're building cabins. Some of them were training to fight. A lot of them were just enamored with Cassie's parents and following them around like giant puppy dogs. A few were hanging out with Rachel's mom, who they didn't really like, but they decided that she would draft their constitution. So she's, like, in the middle of these Horkbizer that are arguing about, like, deciduous or carnivorous trees and when to harvest bark. And she's trying to, like, write down everything. And so this is where Tobias lands, is in the middle of all of this, because Rachel's sitting off to the side in this lawn chair. And she's been mostly relegated to babysitting duty for the past few days. And so she, like, as soon as he lands on the arm of the chair, she dramatically throws her head back and she goes, please tell me you need me and that you have a mission and that there's something crazy and dangerous and reckless that I have to go do. And Tobias is like, all of the above. And Rachel's like, fantastic. Let's go. <laughs> we cut to, like, two days later where Rachel, Marco, and Tobias are all waiting in this tunnel in a park. And it's a park where Tobias used to go when he lived with his uncle and he needed to get away from his life. And he's like, yes, I know the irony is astounding, whatever. Um, Axe is outside in bird morph watching this tunnel and they are watching as Lauren approaches it. And Axe is kind of narrating it like, okay, she's coming in. She's almost entering. There's the bag lady following her. She's coming in. 
And so Lauren enters the tunnel, gets midway through, they stop her, and like a pit crew, they take the harness off of <laughs> Champ, get Champ all like together, they put the harness on Tobias, say, okay, like, go, go, go. And Axe is like counting down like the bag lady is in there. You've been in the tunnel like 18 seconds. The bag lady is approaching. 24 seconds. She's entering. Blah, blah. As soon as Lauren comes out the other side of the tunnel, the bag lady like sees her and like scrambles back up to her cart up top to watch where they're going. And um, they head back to Lauren's house and Tobias got her there safely. And when they get there, he starts thought speaking to her saying like, okay, now we need to get out of here fast. And Lauren didn't really get, like, what was happening. So she's like, I hear you, but your voice is weird. Like, blah, blah, blah. And Tobias is like, I'm thought speaking to you. It's in your head. But, like, just, it, it's me, Tobias. Your dog is safe. It's fine. We'll go get him. Put your hand on my face, which was weird. But it was so she could watch him demorph into a hawk. And he freaks her out, of course. Um, but whatever. And he's haltingly trying to reassure her, and he starts trying to call her mom, like, listen, Ma, Lauren. Because <laughs> it was too weird. Um, this is about when the team starts screaming at them that they are out of time. And we don't really know what their plan is. All we know is that Tobias took Lauren home and that Rachel had slipped something into her bag while they were doing this thing in the tunnel. So we hear Marco screeching like, Tobias, get out of there now. And they hear sirens in the distance. And he's telling his mom like, okay, now grab the heavy object that's in your purse and take it out. She did and it shocked her. And he goes, it's okay. It happens. Touch it and focus. So she does. And Axe is starting to go like, Tobias, get out of there now. And Tobias is like, he's beyond freaking out at this point. Um, and then he, after his mom had touched the cube, he's like, okay, now put your hand back on my head i'm on the couch and focus on the bird and everybody at this point is screaming like get out now it's too late abandon ship go 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 and marco's like there's a fucking chopper coming we have to leave and tobias is super calm and he just says to lauren okay now step away and concentrate on becoming the hawk and lauren's like is this therapy what the fuck is this and he's like just do it and so lauren starts morphing she stops and she goes what's happening to me and tobias goes what's happening outside right now you can hear all this chaos right and she's like yeah and he goes those are the bad guys if they catch us we're dead you need to keep morphing and we need to leave so lauren keeps morphing she gets to bird and then she realizes she can see and she's like marveling like oh my god i can see and then the entire front of the house explodes um it was just rachel she's doing a drive-by elephanting <laughs> and she basically like <laughs> she basically just like plows through the house she's apologizing as she smashes through the front of it she's grabbing the cube in her trunk on the way by not even stopping goes sorry about the remodel and then like barrels out the back of the house and tobias says to lauren okay follow me and stay on my tail and lauren goes i don't know how to fly and tobias goes the hawk does just trust it and Lauren starts flapping and she goes, oh my God, like I'm doing it. I can fly. And Tobias goes, yes, wonderful, isn't it? Now let's go, like stay on my tail. <laughs> and I just loved that. Like he had that moment of like, yes, I know how wonderful it is, but like we got to yeah, That's go. great. Come on. <laughs> yep. So he leads her out of the house and controllers start firing on them. And Lauren's like, oh my God, they're shooting at us. And Tobias goes, yeah, they do that sometimes. Come on. 
And he starts leading her through the alleyways, through the backs of houses, like staying low, trying to dodge in and out of places, making themselves hard targets, but not getting too complex for Lauren to be able to keep up. And um, after a while, like things are blowing up around them, like clotheslines and windows and shit. And Lauren's like getting tired. And Tobias is like, just let the hawk do the flying. The hawk knows how to conserve energy. Angle your tail a bit, cup your wings, follow me. And she keeps pushing through as they're going through yards with everything exploding behind them and blah, blah, blah. Finally, they get to this alleyway where they're heading forward and Lauren goes, nope, stop. And she hits the brakes. And Tobias is actually impressed with how fast she's learning how to fly. But at the end of the alley, there's a bunch of squad cars. They try to turn around. Of course, there's squad cars behind them. They try to go up. The helicopter is bearing down on them. So they kind of get up over the building, and then Tobias just says, follow me. They dive into another alley. They get behind a dumpster, and Lauren goes, what next? Tobias goes, I don't know. Let me think for a minute. And then the dumpster explodes in front of them, and the helicopter is kicking up all this grit and dirt on top of them. And Marco calls, Tobias, get to the loading dock. So Tobias takes off with Lauren following pretty closely, and they start heading towards this loading dock. But as they turn the corner to get there, there's a fuck ton of controllers, and Tobias is screaming, where are you, to Marco. Marco then crumples open this door, they fly in. They're like, all right, cool, they're in this like big warehouse kind of area now with a bunch of shelves around them with all sorts of shit on it. And as the controllers are trying to chase them in, Marco upends a shipment bin, And a fuck ton of Hot Wheels spill out all over the floor. And there's like this Three Stooges moment where they're all slipping on Hot Wheels everywhere. It's so good. Um, And we find out that Axe has a Barney backpack that looks mostly empty, but has the cube Oh my god, he's just running and it's bouncing on his back and I love it. Oh Oh my god, God, it's so cute. He's just the most wonderful, (laughs) wonderful boy. He is. He is the most wonderful boy. And he unironically loves the Teletubbies. That is true, yes. Um, So they're taking off towards the front of the warehouse, and they can see where Rachel has come through the front wall there. And Rachel goes, sorry for not joining you earlier. I couldn't fit past the shelves. I've gained a little weight. (laughs) Uh, uh." Um, And at that moment, the controllers are kind of making it past the Hot Wheels, so Rachel just kind of leans her massive elephant head onto one of the shelves and sends all of the warehouse shelves just dominoing over on top of these people who freak the fuck they're like oh fuck we're screwed this is terrible um at this point there's now controllers coming from the front of the warehouse and just streaming in and so tobias goes to lauren and says stay down we're gonna fight but like you need to lay low and not get in on this and he's trying to help Marco and Rachel, who are winning against the controllers, but just because of sheer mass. Like, it's just people throwing themselves at them, and they're just, like, sweeping them aside, knocking them out of here, pushing them out of the warehouse. And somebody observes at this point, like, they're trying to get us into the parking lot. Why are they trying to get us to fight in the parking lot? And Tobias goes, well, you know, let's just give them what they want. And Marco goes, are you insane? And Tobias goes, yeah, aren't you? Nice. So... Tobias shoots out of the warehouse, and the reason they wanted them out there was because the helicopter then would have a clear shot at them. And who is piloting this helicopter but the granny? The grandma! (laughs) The grandma with the orthopedic shoes. And Tobias is like, okay, this is basically the dogfight for my life, but I have the most experience flying. I can do this. So his whole plan is he's got to lead this granny pilot low enough to get her to ignore the instrument panel and he's going to try to crash her helicopter. 
And they have this moment where they, like, size each other up, and he can see, like, every twitch on her face, her nostrils flaring, the gun she's holding, all of it. And he starts, like, by just diving under her, and she's firing, she singed his tail feathers, he's doubling back, and it's just this diving, spinning tango around there as she's firing on him and missing and hitting stuff and singeing him, and the two of them are going until the fight spills outside of the warehouse and Rachel catches the granny's attention because an elephant is a really easy target. And Tobias is like, he notices her attention wavering and he's like, what, you need a bigger target? You can't hit a little bird? And of course she was like right back on him. She's like, okay, I'm gonna fuck up this bird. And so Tobias is like talking shit to her. He's leading her towards this sign that says Hillcrest and he's kind of getting it lower. He realizes like he's almost got her and then he gets a little bit cornered and limited in his movement and Lauren notices that too and he hears Lauren call out no and so he's kind of you know getting her maneuvered but he's also in tight and so she lines up this shot fires on him right as Lauren is diving hits Tobias to send him tumbling out of the way and the shot hits Lauren right across the back and severs off one of her wings fucking knew it she goes careening down to the ground and Tobias is screaming, demorph, demorph, go. And Lauren's like, no, I, I won't be able to see. And Tobias is like, I don't have time to get into DNA right now, but you probably will. So just demorph and you can always go back to the hawk anyways. It doesn't matter. You just got to do this right now. <sighs> and meanwhile, Tobias is also still leading the granny towards the sign. And he gets this granny right where he wants her. And he dips under the helicopter to force her to turn to track him. And the tail of this helicopter smashes into the Hillcrest sign. And Tobias is yelling, Mom, do it! And when he yells, Mom, that's kind of when it, like, gets through to her. Aww. So she's demorphing. Tobias gets the granny to swing the helicopter into the sign. Lauren is getting to mostly human at this point as the helicopter's starting to spin completely out of control because they've lost the tail rudder. And it's spiraling down towards the ground. And Tobias is like, you know, you've got to get out of here. Lauren's like, oh my God, I can see as a human now. And Tobias is like, that's great, but can you run as a human? And Lauren didn't even have time to respond because Rachel ran past that moment, picked her up in her trunk and said, doesn't matter if she can run as a human, we are out of here. And they were able to move right in time as the helicopter is spinning down behind them and crashed right where Lauren had just been laying. Nice, Rachel. Now, we cut to the Horkbridger Valley, where Tobias is watching his mom throw the frisbee for champ. He and Jake are sitting at the picnic table. Tobias is in his human morph, and they're watching Lauren. And they're also listening to Rachel's mom try to teach the Horkbridger how to read and write. <laughs> um, we get this whole constitution thing where they worked out a constitution. They voted unanimously on it. Then Rachel's mom said, great, sign it. They all stared at her, and she's like, you need to learn to read and write. And they all voted unanimously that they did want to learn to read and write. And then they said, you will teach us. And Rachel's mom said, what do I look like? A teacher? And they all voted unanimously that she did indeed look like a teacher. <laughs> um, we cut back to like Tobias's thing. And he is hoping that he had hoped that his mom's memories would come back with the healing, that her scars would heal, her vision healed. Why wouldn't her memories? And Cassie's like, that's not DNA. That's not like fixable. Memories are something different. And maybe if they're gone, they're just gone. And Tobias is like, well, I'll at least try to be human for a couple hours when my mom's around because it kind of feels right and I'll see if I can build this relationship with her. Aww. And then we find out that Jake is now living with Marco's family Aww. in their little cabin because his is gone. 
And Tobias muses like, oh, we've almost kind of like switched places. Like Jake came from this nuclear oh, no. family and now he's lost oh, everybody no. and I have my I mom. This. And... <laughs> and Jake at this point says to Tobias, what do you think's going to happen to Tom now that they know that he lived all those years with me and I was one of the Andalite bandits that they were looking for? And Tobias tells him, that's just it, Jake. Nothing's going to happen to him. They have to keep them alive to draw us out so your family is safe. Nothing's going to happen to them. And that's where we end this book. Yay. <laughs> that's, yeah, I guess that's big a yay. yay and big bummer. <laughs> big I bummer. I feel so bad for Jake. Me too. Oh, no. But I feel so happy for Tobias. <sighs> okay. I want to launch into my annoyances with this book, though. Yes, please. Please. First of all. Um, going back to Jake being so concerned about them, you know, being revealed as the Andalite bandits and all, and the coming down on their family and shit. And I'm like, this would have hit a lot harder if Jake hadn't revealed their secret to a bunch of random strangers in a campground in his book. I feel like I've kind of written that book out of my memory already, because it just ruins so much yes and that leads to me to my second point what the fuck is going on with the Horkbajir valley did they went to a second location okay because i so i read the ending of book 47 it says toby's like oh well okay we have to leave like we have to leave the valley Mm -hmm. this book made it sound like the yurks thought they had destroyed it so they left and then the Horkbajir moved back into the valley no there's like two mentions of it in this book but it's like half sentence throwaways but they did establish a new colony in a different location. okay i guess that wasn't made abundantly clear to me because <laughs> no it wasn't made abundantly clear at all in the books but that yeah because yeah. i was like okay if that's the case and they just moved back into the horkvajir valley and that's now so they're suddenly concerned cool. about secrecy book 47 really didn't need to exist and i'm really pissed off at it like, I'm not mad at... It didn't need to exist. Yeah, it's like, I'm not mad at this book. I'm mad that book 47 exists, because it doesn't need to. Yeah. It, it like, just nothing yeah. in that book ended up mattering. So I was just so yeah. fucking mad about that. Yeah, they didn't, like, retcon it. They just literally threw, like, it was two throwaway lines where they're like, it's a new valley. And I don't even think they point out it's a new valley. I think they just say, like, new Horkbyshire Valley, new Horkbyshire Colony. Yeah. Like, they just add new in front of it and expect you to catch on that they've now moved to a new location. But, like, the other thing is the Elemist made the first Horkbidger Valley, and he made it perfect and, like, wonderful, and he made it for the specific purpose of putting them there. And it's like they conveniently just found another perfect valley, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like they found a second pretty decent place, so I don't know. Yeah, book 47 is very bad. But that said, yeah, like the beginning of this book was rough, but I was really on board with it for from the first battle on. Like I thought it was really interesting. Um and yeah. and sad and funny and and more sad and and there was a shepherd. Yeah. And this is so pivotal because like now the Yorks know they're humans. Like this affects everything. Now their families are either enslaved or living in the Horkbyshire Valley. Like this has upended so many rules mm-hmm. of the Animorphs world that we've been living in for so long. Yeah. Also, holy God, like, they gave the morphing power to another person since the first person since uh-huh. David. And it's Tobias's mom. Tobias's mom. 
Which, I mean, to be fair, she's mm. probably had the most experience with aliens of all of the parents. True. <laughs> True. Um, she's had a real relationship with one. She so. married an Andalite. She did marry an Andalite. She doesn't remember it, but she did marry an Andalite. Yeah. I kind of wonder if the Elemist orchestrated the accident, though. The car accident. I See, I wondered that, too. But... Also, like, why would he? To to make sure Tobias was in a certain position to fight the war? But I feel like he could have nudged Tobias into that construction site in so many different ways. Like, there was no need to mess up his whole childhood and his mom and his stepdad to have him. Because, like, there's nothing wrong with Cassie's family and she still ended up in this thing too. So like, why? But wouldn't Tobias have had the knowledge that his father was an alien? No, because nobody, because they erased all of that. They would have thought that his stepdad was his dad. She was in the car accident that killed his stepdad and she lost all of her memories. Oh, he's dead? Yeah, he died in the car accident, the stepdad. Oh, guess I was missing that part. Um, Oh, it was in this oh, book okay. as well. I guess I glossed over it. Um, There's a lot that happens well, in this book. <laughs> I'm just like, so with the Elemist and Tobias, I'm getting a very like Dumbledore and Harry Potter kind of vibe. Like like the old wise guy like manipulates his pawn basically. And like Dumbledore specifically like put Harry in the Dursley's care so that he wouldn't grow up to be a fucking asshole. Um, you know, like, cause he said, like, if Harry had grown up with a wizarding family, then he would have, like, all of that attention and fame would have gotten to his head and he would have turned out to be, like, a completely different person and it would have fucked everything over. Well, that's, first of all, Dumbledore is a complete asshat. Yes. But, I, I don't, like, I don't think the Elemist had anything to do with the car accident and losing his mom and stepdad later. Like, he erased the first part of it, but... It wasn't like Tobias was destined for greatness in the alien world once he hit 10 and got his letter to Animorphs camp. Well, yeah, like, but, yeah. I don't think the Elemis, like, had as much to do with that as Dumbledore did. I think he just needed Elfangor erased because that was not the correct timeline. I just wonder. I don't know why I'm arguing with somebody who knows exactly how the book ends. <laughs> well, it's... There's, I mean, there's a lot of, like, the Elemis timeline that isn't answered and is still open to interpretation. Yeah. So it's not like I'm telling you this is how it mm-hmm. goes. I'm I'm just saying, like, I think that he probably wouldn't have had as much to do with that as yeah. he potentially yeah. could have. Um, Should we do character yes. ratings? What did we think of Jake? So sad. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was great, and I... I don't love that he beat himself up so much, but I thought it was very in character for him. And I loved that he got to the point where he was very vulnerable in front of the others. Yes. Yeah. Very realistic. Yeah. And I love that. First of all, the the whole morphing in front of his family and saying, I'm doing this to give you hope and to give you the truth. Oh, God. That was like, so that was like when he called Tom in book, what one and said like don't give up yeah yeah you know you know how we always talk about how we love jake the most in his books Mm -hmm. like this is the first 
maybe not the first time, but this is definitely a time where I felt like I'm reading that Jake in someone else's book. Ex- I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. I agree with yeah. that so much. Yeah. Anyway, super five. Super five. Super five. Good boy. Rachel! Rachel! <laughs> <laughs> you would not have thought she probably killed David by the events of this book. Um <laughs> Wouldn't you, though? (laughs) I don't know. That's the whole point, though, is that she... Yeah. It's all within her. Yeah, and she's not letting that appear outwards in any way. Exactly. Well, I mean, she was terrific. She had a lot of great lines. I loved her interactions with Tobias. Oh my god, same. I love her whole family. (laughs) I loved everything about her family scene. I love that she crunched the BMW and that Marco and Tobias were both like, there's no way she's going to blend in with the crowd. The forklift scene. Oh, my God. Oh, so good. Uh, And lots of elephanting in this book. We haven't seen her elephant morph in a long time. Yeah, but like, I feel like it's usually one or the other. Like the author's like, it's either got to be elephant or grizzly bear. And I love that she was just like rampant flip flopping between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Very good. She was so good. good. So fucking good in this book. Uh, Even though she fed a hawk hamburger. Yes. That was not good. But if we forgive this one incident. (laughs) (laughs) Then she gets a five. (laughs) She still gets a five for me, even with that. But I would be very upset. I would chastise her immediately. Yeah. Same. Uh, What about Cassie? Oh. I just love that scene with her families. Oh my god, me too. And again, like you said, she wasn't like as much of a player as some of the other characters, but every time she was in there, I just I loved her. I loved that that pleading with with Mr. King and oh. Mm-hmm. And telling oh. her mom not to touch Axis, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say 5. Yeah, I agree. 5 as well for her. Um so what about Marco? Oh, Marco. Got his face ripped off. Oh, yeah. He had a rough go of it in this book. Oh, he did. But he was so funny. And so Marco. He was. The scene of the shirtless thing with him and Cassie was such perfection. (laughs) I forgot about that. It was so good. So good. And I, I liked the, I don't know if we talked about it, but there, at one point he like kind of reached out to Tobias after Tobias found out about his mom and he was like, like, I know what your plan is. And like, you know, I lived through that. And I really liked that he made that connection with them. Yeah. And I think it's not, um, strictly mentioned, but I think there's a few like points throughout the book where we see Marco kind of in his own way, reach out to Tobias and like, just check in on him and to, you know, yeah. yeah. So I I liked that a ton because it was mm-hmm. it was just really it was really nice and it was a really good. This author was very successful in this book. Lisa Harkrader was very successful in this book of doing a lot of the show me don't tell me stuff that we yes. love to see. So yes, yeah, I liked that a lot. <sighs> another five, of course, another five, and axe. Of course, a five. Do I even <sighs> need to say it? the my favorite axe i'm just gonna go ahead and and put my flag in the ground right now this is my favorite axe of all time i'm going to put a note in our character ranking sheet thank you for that his speech about being a juvenile delinquent 
<laughs> it's like it's poetry that should be read on a stage out loud in front of an audience. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, and the Barney backpack and the Pokeman. Oh my god, and... the Pokeman. Oh my god. And all while, you know, also being a very good, you know, hacker and and fighter and and second in command and we just got the full array with a emphasis on the funny acts and it was perfect. Okay, what about Tobias? The only thing I didn't like about Tobias was his interactions with Marco in like the I mentioned. Begin- yeah, the early ones. Yes. Yeah. But I thought apart from that he was great. Yeah, and it recovered from there. Like if it was yes. that through the whole book I would have had more of an issue with it, but yes. it was just beginning. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I I loved Tobias. I mean, I always loved Tobias, but I I really loved him a lot in this book. And I loved yeah. that, um, like, I, I think a lot of the times we get Tobias being hard on himself, and that wasn't anything new. But the protectiveness over his family, and, like, one thing that really was interesting to me, and I don't know what to think about it, was that we know that he loves Rachel. We know that Rachel loves him. We know that that's a thing. He is not willing to morph human for Rachel, but when his mom comes back in the picture, he thinks it's only right to morph human for his mom. Oh, I didn't think about that. I don't know what to think about. I did think about it, but I don't know what to think about it. I mean, I guess the only argument I would make is that he's spent a lot more time with Rachel and... Like, they know what the other has been through, and she knows, like, more deeply about how he is accepting of his hawk self. And maybe he feels like his mom doesn't, isn't ready for that yet. So by being human around her, he's kind of, like, helping ease her into himself. That's true. And he also wouldn't tell her about Elfangor and that whole part of her life because he didn't think she could handle it. So that's true. Yeah, I just, I thought it was interesting when I was reading it that, like, because she's so vocal about, like, I want you to do this, and I wish you'd do this, and I wish you'd become a human Nothlet, and, like, blah, 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 but it's it's all interesting. All right, well, any last thoughts on this book before we depart? I don't believe so. I don't believe so either. Fuck book 47? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Ha, fuck, yeah, fuck book 47. If you want to tell me how book 47 shouldn't exist, you can email me at <laughs> anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. Wait. Yeah, that's right. Anonymousanimorphs yep. at gmail.com. You, you can it. find me on Facebook at Animorphs Anonymous or super secret, super awesome uh, secret group, the Andalite Bandalites, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. You can Instagram me at Animorphs Anonymous. You can uh, tweet me at Animorphs Anon. And I'll actually respond, which is new and also confusing because Twitter is confusing to me. And, um, <laughs> it's a bad place. It's it's a bad, bad, terrible place. And uh, <laughs> yeah, those are all the things, I think. Uh, you can listen to our podcast on all podcast hosting sites that ever existed ever. Literally um, maybe- all of them. Yeah, maybe maybe not all of them, but like most of them. You can Google us and we'll be on Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Spotify, Podcast Republic, and things of that nature. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your comic. Uh, I have a web comic. It's called Beside You. Please go read it at B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U-Comic.com. Please. Please. <laughs> Please read it. It's very good. 
If you are a fan of comics, and in particular a fan of Superboy and more 90s media, then you can also find me as a sometimes third host on uh, Cadmus 2 Crisis, a Superboy podcast from Cadmus 2 Crisis. One day I'll do that on their <laughs> podcast, but it is not this day. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all I've got. Until next time, I'm frightened. It's gonna be so spooky. All right, goodbye, Kissy. Goodbye, Alex. <laughs>